Blog Talk Radio. just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for uh, staying with us today. Hope you had a uh, wonderful weekend. We are back here broadcasting live, and today we've got a great show. Uh, We've got Rip Stalvey. He's an uh, APA judge, and today he's going to be sharing some um, show poultry tips and recipes about Anything and everything about show poultry. So get those pens and paper uh, ready to take some great notes today from Rip. We will be uh, having that segment. We'll have Rip join us here in a little bit. First and foremost, we've got chickens in the news. We have a couple that I'd like to share for you today. And the first one uh, really comes as no surprise as more and more companies are trying to really make the announcement and make the move to go to providing cage-free eggs for their customers. There are many, many fast food restaurants. I think McDonald's was one of the most recent that had come out publicly to say by uh, such and such year, all of the eggs that they use in their restaurants were going to be uh, from cage-free hens. And today we've got another biggie. Uh, a historic day for hens, they're calling it. Walmart to use cage-free chickens for eggs 
claiming 100% cage-free supply chain by 2025, claiming it represents a commitment to continuously improve the company's food supply while maintaining the affordable prices that customers expect. Our customers and associates count on Walmart to deliver on affordability and quality while at the same time offering transparency into how their food is grown and raised. Says our commitment to transition to a cage-free egg supply chain recognizes that expectation and represents another step we're taking to improve the transparency of food we sell in our U.S. stores and clubs. The Humane Society of the United States applauded the decision, calling it a historic day for hens. Over the last decade, my colleague Josh Balk and I took many trips to Arkansas to make our case to Walmart personnel, and the team at Walmart was open and welcoming throughout the process. But given that the company likes, uh, likely buys more eggs than any other food retailer, and that very little egg production in the United States has really been of the cage-free kind, it was not a decision it could make um, very soon. So, um, hey, this is, uh, I guess this is good news. We know, uh, you know, because you listen to the show, that in America, cage-free means, the definition, that yes, the chickens, the layers, are not actually in these small cages that we've always seen pictures of, but now they are in a poultry barn um, that may be 300 feet long, and they are actually all in this barn on pretty much on the floor. There are roosts available to them. So some people still agree with that, disagree with that. I, I get it. Um, but uh, you got to, I guess, pick your battle. So everybody was commenting about cage-free, cage-free this, cage-free that. And because of public demand and people um, making it public, they do want to, they agree with cage-free. You kind of wonder how many people know the true definition of that here in, in America. But nonetheless, they were making noise. And a lot of companies saw that and heard that and said, okay, I think we can maybe uh, try to make this happen. So we've seen McDonald's and, and countless other fast food chains, grocery stores, uh, and now maybe the largest of them all, Walmart. 2025, that's you know 10 years from now. But these changes can't happen overnight. I remember it was a couple of years ago when they uh, made a law, I believe it was out in California, that the sizes of the cages for layers had to be increased, uh, and then the millions and millions of dollars that was going to cost uh, the producers. And then actually the law, I believe, stated anybody buying eggs outside of the state from California, but buy eggs within the state, uh, are under this law as well, uh, apparently. so. No, uh, no easy commitment here by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't know if you would assume that the big barns for, for, for a corporation in the poultry industry to raise them uh, free range by the definition may actually be less expensive due to the uh, cost of all the cages and that whole um, uh, laying system, if you will, with the collection of the eggs and the conveyor belts and things like that, food delivery systems, while they're in the cages, water delivery systems, versus maybe having just, just one big open barn with a few roosts. Um, you still have to have a feeding system and, and that type of thing. 
Um, I guess the chickens just kind of lay eggs on the floor. They come through and pick them. So, so I don't know. Maybe the, the initial cost of a barn designated for "quote unquote" cage-free hens uh, and the old um, cage system, there may be a significant cost reduction. Uh, but we have heard and we have interviewed a lot over the years of these um, uh, commercial poultry producers. And one of the many comments that are made often about that, you know, raising cage free is that uh, the, the disease spread, uh, sick birds uh, all, all together, all very close, uh, can spread much faster. There is a higher death rate regarding picking and pecking uh, because of the number of birds that are open and have access to each other in this. So um, we've heard this statement before from several um, egg produ- commercial egg producers that they lose more birds. Um, the death toll uh, on any given day, any given week, any given month is much greater with the open barn system, as in cage-free, versus, versus the cage system. And so um, uh, that uh, may or may not make uh, the folks that, are concerned about the humane treatment, realizing that they probably lose more birds. There's more deaths due to that way of raising them than than the cage system, whether it be from disease or pecking or picking um, and, and what have you. So it's uh, I guess it's a toss-up, but I wanted to share this with you. If you didn't already know, didn't uh, know that a lot of companies across the country are going this route or at least saying they're going to go this route, and we're talking many years down the road when they've got 100% compliance. But at the same time, it's making, obviously, a lot of people happy. And um, um, so these these companies are trying to make the public happy to gain their business and make more money off of them. So I wanted to share that with you. That's Walmart, and that's uh, the first story in our Chickens in the News segment. I also posted that over on our uh, Facebook page, so you can uh, you can go check that out. Okay, why well, is my computer not working? <laughs> okay, let's just go. To, okay, this is just wonderful. Um, let me go down here. There we go. Okay, absolutely nothing is popping up. Okay, here we go. Let's see if this will work. Apologize about the delay. Just trying to get over here to... Okay, this is really, really weird. Looks like I've kind of like (laughs) totally lost control of my computer. Buttons aren't working, nothing. So I'm going to try to, hey, there'll probably be a, uh, I see um, uh, Rips called in. He's he's in the caller queue. We've got some other callers listening live. I'm not sure how many are in the chat room, but I'm going to have to reboot here because... uh, I lost all control of this thing. It's not doing anything no matter what I click. So um, it looks like I'm about to hold reboot this system. So if you're listening live or you're listening to the archive, um, there will probably be a few uh, seconds of silence. I'd go to commercial break if I could actually get back over to the uh, the switchboard, which, oh, okay, here we go. Maybe we're getting some progress here. Let me go to break, see if I can fix the problem. Stay with us. And uh, we'll see if this actually works. If not, there'll be a few seconds of silence while I reboot the system. I apologize. It's just kind of like a mass meltdown here. Let's see what we can uh, get done here. 
Yep, few few seconds of uh, dead air. Rip, don't go anywhere. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up chickens in the news, have a few announcements, and we'll bring you uh, on. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way.
Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for uh, staying with me. I apologize about that. I just had a total meltdown. I was uh, clicking out of pages. They weren't disappearing. I couldn't open up anything else from the toolbar down below. I uh, couldn't access the switchboard, so that was kind of a pain. Who knew? Uh, that's high tech for you because we do broadcast live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Today's a special broadcast. I was on the road yesterday, uh, but Rip said that he was available today. So here we are. Tomorrow, I've got poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She'll be coming on 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's tomorrow. Mark your calendars. You're not going to miss that show or uh, episode. So uh, no more chickens in the news. I'm not going to try that again <laughs> since i got things kind of back to normal. Uh, I will share that uh, our tour uh, will be uh, we'll be hitting the road here on the 15th of April. That's uh, what, about 10 days from now, nine days from now. And we're heading north. Uh, nope, not north to Alaska, but um, pretty far north. We're going to be hitting Wisconsin. We've got Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. Uh, 13 events, five states, book signings, workshops, uh, lots of fun, uh, lots of prizes to give away, uh, lots of cool educational material to give away, finger food, snacks, drinks, all my events. It's, it's a hoot. Love to meet our fans, uh, and uh, it's fun is had by all. You can check out our tour schedule at chickenwhisperer.com. So uh, good to know. And, of course, along with the tour, the interview, I've, I've had this morning alone four interviews uh, with local media on the tour, whether it be newspaper or radio show, called in to a radio uh, program up in Michigan. First thing this morning, uh, I guess it was about uh, 8, I think it was 8.45, and uh, got that one out of the way. And then I had three uh, interviews with uh, newspaper reporters. Uh, all, I believe, were going to be uh, in towns or, or local to the tour coming up. So um, that that, uh, that makes for a busy day. And then here we are. So today we've got Rip Stalvey, American Poultry Association, longtime judge, and uh, all-around great guy. He's going to be joining us and kind of sharing us recipes tips and other things regarding show poultry. He is our resident show poultry expert, and he normally comes on the first Tuesday of every month. Yesterday is Wednesday. Uh, we're just one day late, but uh, so mark your calendars for that. If you're into show poultry and want to learn a little bit more how you can uh, work your way up the ranks and get more, uh, maybe more awards and uh, um, and better breeds, if you will. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you joining us. Andy, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, just This is just so much fun. I can't really express to you and the listeners how much fun I have pulling this show together and doing the research and the legwork. And, you know, that kind of got me to thinking that, you know, a lot about raising and showing exhibition poultry is kind of like recipes. And so I thought, well, let's put together some recipes that the folks might find helpful or enjoyable. Um, now, I'm not talking about recipes for cooking your birds. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but, although that's not a bad thing to do with some cults. Um, that's true. But, uh, little recipes that you could use on maybe just some general information 
or perhaps some breeding information. Or now I do have some cooking recipes, but it's for chickens and not of chicken. So gotcha. I'll be sharing those with you at today's show. But I wanted to Sounds start great. out uh, with a topic, and we've all heard this phrase, and 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 that's garbage in, garbage out. You know, we see this very basic and simple truth applied to life all around us. For example, junk food goes in, medical issues come out. Poor preparation for a test, if you're going to school, poor test results. The examples are frankly everywhere if we just look around. And this basic concept applies to everything we do with poultry, if you just stop and think about it. You know, I've been in this poultry show hobby for many, many years, and I can't tell you the number of times I would overhear comments at shows. Uh, for example, when somebody's observing a dull-looking bird with a pale comb, uh, and the owner says something to the effect, I don't worry about feed. They get whatever pellets are on sale. Or we'll talk about buying breeding stock. I'm not going to pay that much for a chicken. I'll just keep culling the chicks I got from the hatchery, sale area, swap area, swap meat, and save money. You know, oftentimes I see a very poorly conditioned bird at a show. And it kind of gets explained by, well, my chickens look like, now insert whatever expletive you would like here, because I let them be real chickens at home. And about how much effort goes into taking care of chickens. I had a fellow tell me one time, I said, I spend 30 minutes a day doing chores. That's it. If it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. And I occasionally get asked, is it okay to use a bird as a breeder that has a defect or disqualification? And sometimes they'll say, well, you know, he's a pretty good bird. I'll just call hard with the offspring. Well, folks, it's garbage in, garbage out. So every job, whether it's in real life or whether it's in the show poultry life, is sort of a self-portrait of the person who does it. So work with your poultry and autograph your work with excellence, or at least by doing the very best that you can. That's how you're going to make progress and improve your birds and have a lot of fun in the same vein. And I'm, I'm drawing very heavily from a couple of my really good friends out in the Pacific Northwest today, um, Cher Dennings and Robert Anderson. Uh, Cher is a really well-renowned uh, breeder of black Jersey Giants, and Robert is uh, another close poultry judge friend of mine. Uh, I had the opportunity to go out there, oh, almost two years ago now, and, and judge their show for them, and it, they just they got it right. They know how to put on a poultry show. Big facilities, well lit. Um, it's actually in um, just north of Portland, Oregon. So if you're ever out that way and get a chance to hit that show, you won't be disappointed. Um, Cher wrote a piece, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this for you. But it's titled, Now is Good, Forever is Better. And there's a lot of different reasons that we show poultry, and that impacts which birds we take to the show and which stay home. Uh, usually exhibitors with youth groups tend to take their best birds 
which might mean they only take two birds because it's the only two that they own. Uh, sometimes breeders will take their best birds if they're in show condition or perhaps a number of birds out of a what we call a show string uh, that they keep separate from the breeders. Um, sometimes breeders will also have a number two show string, maybe not quite as good as the first, but pretty good birds all the way around. Um, you, if you're taking a bird to a show, uh, you you need to have a good, well thought out reason why you're taking that bird to the show. Um, it, just kind of think it through. If you took a lot of young birds to a fall show and walked out with one or two champions, does that mean they should automatically go to the next show? Mm, probably not. Does that mean if they do, your birds will do well? Maybe, maybe not. Or that the lesser siblings won't change up a bit and beat the better birds. You know, young birds can change a lot, sometimes in a fairly short period of time, because they're still growing, they're still developing, um, and, and they're still changing and maturing. So you can get some real shockers on some birds you thought were really good. Um, you, you need to think about should the best birds you have be protected from picking up something nasty at a show or stay home for the breeding pens. Um, sooner or later, uh, you could get into problems by taking your birds to a show and bringing them home, especially if you don't quarantine those birds for at least three to four weeks before you integrate them back into the rest of your birds. So just something to think about there. Um, it's, it's kind of a balancing act, really. Uh, if your goal is winning, you want to take your best birds, right? After all, people will see your birds and they won't, and uh, they'll kind of assume that that's the best you've got. A wise poultry mentor of mine told me once, don't let pride drive your decisions when you're showing birds. Um, I can remember uh, as a teenager getting into this hobby and, and listening to some of the old-timers talk. And what they said once kind of confused me a little bit, but over the years I, it has really panned out to be true time and time again. And, and the gist of what they were saying was that a few months after a show, nobody really remembers who won the show or the bird that won it. And mm -hmm. all the other old-timers in that group sort of chimed in in agreement. And like I said, I have seen that happen time and time and time again. Uh, I, I recognize that everybody likes to win. But really, if you've got that once-in-a-lifetime bird that hopefully we all get as, as we go through our show careers, uh, I know I have had mine. Um, but if you have that once-in-a-lifetime bird, make the decision, and it can be painful, trust me, because you've got a bird that you know can win and can win big consistently. It's hard to make the decision to keep it at home for a little while to get some chicks out of it before you show it off. Um, uh, it's back to that pride thing. 
uh, it, it can blur your vision and makes it hard to see a clear picture and, and make that good decision. Uh, so, uh, as Cher closed her article, this is now is good and forever is better. That bird you gain may gain you a lot in the next few shows now, but mm-hmm. if you put that greatness of that single bird into the babies you get out of him or her first, that's going to be your ticket to forever. And and I've always thought that was pretty sound and pretty good advice. Um, and just some notes that Robert Anderson shared. Um, I wrote a, an article, uh, 15 Things You Must Do to Become a Good Poultry Breeder. Um, Robert uh, put together some notes that he called uh, Dream On. Um, we've all, as poultry exhibitors, got sort of locked away in a cabinet in the secret room somewhere. Uh, all our sorcerers, potions, tinctures, and books of magic spells, if you want to call it that. Um, we really don't, but it's, it, what it boils down to is sayings that we learn over the years and the different stages that we go through. Um, in in this journey, and it, it truly is, as I've said before, a journey to success in this hobby. Um, the first step you kind of get to, and, and I've already addressed this in earlier shows, but I can't stress it enough, is the basic information about poultry, the care, the breeds of poultry, uh, search the Internet, online bookstores, attend class maybe. Join the local poultry association. If you've got one close by, I would strongly encourage you doing that because they can be a huge learning resource for you. Attend the show and ask a lot of questions. Uh, you you can get some really good advice there as well. Uh, once you've determined which breed you want to work with and which variety you want is the best fit for you, uh, it, it's you just mastered that first level that you've got to get to that first level first and, and to do those things we're talking about. And our next level, um, locating a good breeder. Uh, and that, you know, you, you picked, uh, let's say, Rhode Island Red Large Fowl, single fowl. And there's not a lot of good breeders of those birds out there. There's a lot of those birds out there, but not a lot of the really good breeders. And it's going to take you some time and some research and some digging around and asking questions and, you know, ask judges, uh, ask other exhibitors, who's got the best Rhode Island Red single cones out there? Um, you know, join the American Poultry Association. Find out who's winning at their shows. Um, subscribe to Poultry Press. All the shows are listed there, and, and you will see who is winning consistently with any particular breed over and over and over. Now, once you've identified um, who the best breeders are, and I always tell people this, call them. Don't mail them. Don't email them. Don't text message. You know, when people contact me for birds, I want to be able to hear them one-on-one over the phone I don't have a lot of stock that I get rid of. And when I do decide to get rid of a bird or birds, I want to talk with that person one-on-one 
to ensure that my stock is going to someone who is knowledgeable, who's responsible, um, that's important to me because um, I'm selling some really good birds, some really good genetics, and I don't, you know, I'm getting kind of picky in my old age about who I share birds with, I'll be honest with you. So if you fail at this level, go back and redo that first level of learning and education. Robert also mentioned to me a, a third level, um, cultivating your mentor. It is so important, and I've talked about this on earlier shows, to find you a good mentor. There's many ways to learn, you know, reading, experience, uh, research on the Internet, but really nothing can replace a role of a good mentor because they can guide you in the right direction, uh, answer your questions, uh, and help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that they probably made uh, as they started their journey. Um, it, it's such an important important step, and I'm, I've got about three or four people that I'm mentoring right now. Um, and it's, for me, a very rewarding experience, as I hope it is a very educational and rewarding experience for them. When you get past that kind of third level, you've got your mentor, and you're starting to show a little bit, you know, it's it's good to win with your variety, then win the breed class, and then the class champions. Um, if you've compl uh, completed those first three steps well, and if the timing is right, then you may even win best or reserve champion of the show. That's That's something to really toot your horn about. And if you do that, I encourage you to do so. Um, and, you know, I, I talked earlier about folks not remembering um, the bird or who won or, or anything like that. Um, and Robert told me one time, he said, you know, I think it about, takes about six days for folks to forget the chicken that won and, and the owner that won. So that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. When you start up another level, it's where you start sharing your genetic stock uh, with other serious breeders. Um, not just your culls you want to get rid of, but I'm talking about really good birds that you would keep yourself. Uh, when you reach this point, you start moving beyond what I call your personal learning curve. And you start helping others reach their full potential because there's birds out there and there's really good birds out there and there's far fewer really good birds out there trust me um, if you can get someone to share you their good stock with you um, they're beginning to transition from competitor to breeder and it, it's um, it takes a lot of time and effort on their part uh, and if they ask big dollars for their stock, don't be surprised, but I'll be in all honestly uh, with you guys. Um, I've had a lot more really good birds given to me because folks felt like I was truly interested in the breed. 
and and trying to move the breed forward. Uh, once you get to where you're doing this, you become sort of I hate to use the term elite, but I can't find anything else that comes to mind that that really describes it. But you're you're part of a pretty elite group. You've really honed your skills over the years. Uh, you've got keen insights at this point, um, and and now you're ready to move on to becoming a mentor to others. Because at this point, you're going to have a lot of years under your belt. Uh, you're going to have a lot of experience. You're going to have tried a lot of different things, some that worked well, some that maybe didn't work so well. Um, you know, make yourself available to answer questions. Um, maybe go over to their place if they don't live all that far away and offer advice on feeding, housing, rearing, genetics. Um, and a good mentor is going to challenge you and they're going to push you uh, to increase your level of understanding. And then Robert uh, told me that he sees that final level as being one where you join forces with other people. Uh, uh, some folks like to refer to it as uh, sort of being uh, breeding partners, if you will, where the three of you are working with the same breed same variety and trying to really make strong improvements in the breed and, and I've, I'm doing that now uh, you know I've, I've got two or three folks that I'm working with on a couple of breeds and we share birds back and forth uh, you know if someone's got a bird that can help me that they're not using right now they'll let me have that bird or they'll let me borrow that bird and I, and I will certainly do the same for them uh, because it, to me it's more about creating or, or elevating the overall quality of the breed which I think then becomes a lasting legacy and a lasting testament uh, to helping move that breed forward and to make it even better so there's something to think about uh, something to study on um, and hopefully it, it, it starts to make sense for you. Um, Andy, I know we're at about 40 minutes or so. Do you want to take a break here, or you want me to keep going? Yes, I can uh, take a break real quick and get that out of the way, our final break of the show, and then we'll come back, and uh, you can continue talking to us about show poultry tips uh, around the country. Uh, very good. and. It's, it can be intimidating sometimes, especially for the first-timer or the beginner or someone who's just getting into that. And uh, for years, I've recommended folks to go to the shows. Even if you're not interested in showing, don't have any ambition to show your birds, uh, even before you get chickens, go to a show and look at the many different breeds that are available to you and talk if you're interested. If you've done the research and you're like, I like these particular breeds, you can go and talk to uh, folks that have been breeding those breeds for many years and, and may have uh, more information than you can find just doing a general search uh, about that breed. Um, you may be able to find uh, some really good quality birds there as well. So I always recommend, even before people have gotten started, to go and take a look at what's available, uh, look at some good quality birds, talk to the breeder, 
get more information, maybe inside information about the breed, um, and, and that can go a long way. So I'm a big proponent of, of doing that, uh, even if you're just uh, starting out. So we're going to break. We'll come back, and there will be more from Rick Stalvey, APA judge, on uh, really tricks of the trade and tips about showing poultry. We'll be back right after this short break. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Just a cap full a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing ePoultry, an all-natural, whey-based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA. ePoultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Come back. Come back, back. Come back. Come back. Come back, 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 back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. How would you like a punch in the beak? This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. (laughs) 
Marty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Box Seeds. And don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, a PhD. I've reached out her this morning. Uh, have yet to hear back a uh, topic for tomorrow's show, but as soon as I get that in, and that has been decided, I will definitely share that on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. Also, something else I did just this morning, brand new. Uh, we have put on a new post over at our fact or chicken site. Yep, fact or chicken poop.com. And uh, it regarded a, a statement. Um, actually, it was about two weeks ago. Uh, I had posted an article on my Facebook page from poultry scientist Dr. McRae and uh, that she had done for the Chicken Whisper magazine last year about uh, backyard bird feeders and your flock and about how they can be a risk to the health of your backyard chickens. And uh, it was a lively discussion, and actually someone had made the statement as if it were true. This is not I feel or in my opinion or I believe or any of that. This was a statement that was made as if it was true, that backyard birds um, are um, more immune or backyard birds are immune to the bird flu. Uh, if you let them free range, there's really nothing to worry about. Uh, totally loaded question there. So since that was made as a statement, <laughs> um, we said, you know what, this would be a great one for factorchickenpoop.com. So we sent that statement over to uh, Dr. Patiski. Uh, Maurice Patiski at UC Davis uh, in the poultry department there. He is a, a vet with tons and tons and tons of poultry vet with tons of uh, credentials. And he responded to that, and you can see his response over at factorchickenpoop.com and uh, see if that statement, uh, are backyard birds more immune uh, to, are more immune to uh, avian influenza? You can get that um you can get his response to that over there. That was posted uh, this morning. So uh, I got another one coming up that should, and I'm hoping it'll be posted by the end of the week. A really, really good one that's coming over from a, a popular blog, and uh, Dr. McRae is actually researching and doing the work on that rebuttal, if you will. So, uh, but today we're talking all about show poultry, little tips and tricks, if you will. To try to work your way up in the ranks, and uh, our guest, of course, as always, regarding this topic, Rip Stalvey, a longtime APA judge. Uh, Rip, welcome back, and we'll have you continue on, my friend. Thanks, Andy. Uh, we were talking earlier, uh, more philosophical tips, but uh, and recipes, if you will. Uh, let's talk about recipes for chickens. Uh, you know, we all like to give our birds treats. Uh, and I'm as guilty as the next person, uh, and I know that I can sometimes overdo it, but there's ways that we can create really healthy, good-for-chicken treats. First thing, I want to share with you my recipe that I've used and tweaked over the years uh, for feeding grains to my chickens. Uh, like everybody else, when I was just kind of getting into this hobby, I thought, Oh, green scratch is pretty good stuff. My grandparents used it. Works for me. But over the years, I've, I've sort of tweaked that uh, 
to a formula that has really worked well and, and the birds do very, very well on. Uh, and and this is by volume. There's, it's not by a weight thing if you're using a coffee cup or a coffee can. Just get the proportions and, and you'll do good. I use two parts of scratch grains or perhaps wild bird seed or what I really like is pigeon grains. And why I really like pigeon grains is because the grains are whole. They're not cracked. Once that grain gets cracked or split open or ground up, you start to lose nutrients almost immediately. So pigeon grains works well. Now, if I'm making this for young chicks or something, I may not go with the pigeon grain mix with them because it's got rather big grains in there, like it's got whole uh, Canadian peas, it's got uh, whole kernels of popcorn that they may not be able to, to swallow, and I don't want them to choke on it. So I'll, for younger birds, I'll, I'll use a wild bird seed mix. So two parts of grains, and then I use one part of black oil sunflower seed. Uh, to that, I add one part of steam-rolled oats. You know, I don't think there's anything that I can think of that's any better for putting good quality feathers on a bird and also helping to build the frame of the chicken than steamrolled oats. And then I also add one part of a pelleted vitamin mineral supplement. Uh, there are several out there. I'm, I'm not going to use one over the other or mention one over the other. But I just kind of mix that up. And I start my young chicks uh, when they're about a week old. They're already getting this grains. Now, I don't give it to them all the time. Um, I feed them usually in the afternoons and just give them about whatever the group, whether it's five chicks or 50 chicks, whatever they can, can consume in about 15 minutes. Uh, and they start to see it as a treat. And I may not do it every day. I may do it every other day. Um, but it gives you the added advantage of uh, even at a young age, those chicks start associating you as a friend bearing food and not someone trying to break into the brooder and scare him half to death. So it, it gives you that sort of psychological hold over your chickens, if you will. Um, make sure you keep your regular feed uh, of toys available all the time and be sure and provide them some grit too so they can properly digest those grains because they can't uh, particularly with the pigeon uh, grains, uh, they can't grind up those whole kernel grains without grit. So grit is a very important tool to keep in your poultry feed box kit. Uh, my friend Cher Jennings likes to make what she calls chick brick bread. And when she first told me about that, I thought, you know, that sounds kind of odd. But I tried it, and it works great. Um, you can... I mean, let's face it, we've probably all been given a bread-making machine. And if it was like the one we had here at the house, it got used a couple of three times, and then it just sort of got relegated to the to the back of the cupboard there in the pantry. So uh, yep. she told me about this, and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try that. And it really works well um, because you can sort of customize the blend if you want to a little bit. Um, and, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, it really makes the house smell pretty good when you're baking chicken bread. But, <laughs> excuse me, I use um, whole wheat flour for the base, 
or sometimes I'll pre-soak some grains uh, and add that into the base. And then you can add items like uh, maybe a little extra olive oil or bacon fat or wheat germ oil. Um, I usually try to add molasses into mine, uh, flax meal, some brewer's yeast, um, alfalfa meal, fish meal if I can get my hands on it. It's getting harder and harder for me to find down here in Florida. Um, sunflower seeds and bird seeds. Um, not only is it giving them some little extra, uh, extra nutritional boost in a treat form, um, it also provides them a source of enrichment. It gives them something to do. Now, we all know that when we get a bunch of chicks together that get bored, it's when we start getting feather pickings and things go south in a hurry. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, it, it, gives, it gives them a little It's a fairly dense bread, um, but it gives them something to, to pick on during the day. Uh, you know, larger birds, I may give them a slice. Um, smaller, younger chicks, I may give them a few pieces. Just let common sense be your guide here. Um, be sure and use a serrated knife to cut uh, through this because, like I said, it's going to be a fairly dense bread. Uh, you've got um, grains and seeds in there. Uh, otherwise, I tried it without doing that one time, and it was pretty much a disaster. <laughs> hmm. So, uh, And, again, this has the added advantage of imprinting chicks early on that your presence is a good thing. So they start coming to you rather than running away from you when you come up to the, the, the uh, brooder or the nursery pens. Um, from time to time, I, I get asked about feeding wet meshes, and is there any advantage? Um, I was messaging someone the other day who said that their birds uh, just leave the little fines, as we call it, uh, the part that's left over in the feeder after. Um, they pick out the larger crumbles or pellets, maybe, and they were they realize that they and baby chicks can be the world forest about this true. Um, they said they felt like they were wasting a lot of feed that way. I said, well, do this. Uh, when you see your feeder starting to build up with vines in the bottom, I said just sprinkle a little water or a little milk. Uh, buttermilk works really great for this. And, and mix it up until you get a, oh, probably something a little bit more moist than cookie dough. Um, and you will be amazed at how fast that wet mash will disappear. Um, but, um, you know, I, I know some folks uh, actually have a recipe for making wet mash, and, and they use um, two to, and, and again, this is my volume and, and not by weight or any special measurement. Uh, they'll use um, two or three parts of uh, game bird starter, uh, one part of pelleted vitamin mineral supplement, uh, maybe a little cracked corn, uh, maybe more corn during the winter when the, the temperatures are cold because that helps them generate uh, some body heat, uh, some steamrolled oats, and some I, you know, I, know, I know one lady that even goes the extra mile, and she'll add things like corn gluten meal to help bring out the yellow pigmentation in the skins and, and the uh, foot color. Uh, she adds alfalfa meal. 
uh, flaxseed meal, uh, oyster flour, which is very finely ground oyster shell, uh, brewer's yeast, and occasionally she'll add a little bit of salt in there. And then she adds um, this in with her uh, wet mash. Um, now, in summer or when it's warmer, it's perfectly fine to use room temperature water or, or buttermilk. Uh, that works great. Uh, but when it gets cold in the winter, I like to switch over to to a, mixing it first with uh, hot water. And by the time it kind of sits a little bit, it's warmed down, or not warmed down, it's cooled down enough uh, that the birds can actually eat it. But it gives them that extra little push on those really cold days, and that's when I, I really like to do that for them. Um, I, I put mine in um, dog food dishes, you know, the kinds that uh, where the sides tilt out at the bottom. Uh, that just kind of keeps the feeder from being flipped over if a bird steps on the rim of it, and trust me, they will do that. Uh, and you don't have wet mash flying all over your pen or your coop. Um, so just a couple of little tips and tricks that you can use um, to feed your birds. You, you know, I have even added uh, in my wet mash, maybe my wife has got some vegetables that have been in the freezer to the point that they've expired, leafy vegetables like uh, greens or kale or, or, or even broccoli or something like that. You can chop that up pretty fine and just mix that right in uh, with your wet mash. Um, and it seems to work great. Uh, I would be a little bit hesitant of going too heavy with the barley in there. Uh, I know some folks that like to use a lot of barley, but uh, that can cause you some some digestion issues with birds because they don't have all the necessary enzymes to help fully um, digest that barley. So just some little recipes for your happy, healthy hens and roosters, too. Um, Something that I had not really thought of um, until about midpoint of my poultry career. And we all have poultry runs and probably have uh, lots of uh, weeds mixed in with our grasses. How do we get rid of weeds? I mean, we don't want to use chemicals or anything like that. I mean, you don't want to hosing down weeds with uh, weed killers like Roundup or something like that and then have your chickens walking through them or, or worse yet, maybe even eating on it. Um, so I first would go out with hot water and pour it on uh, the weeds, and that worked great. But that soon got to be a, a, a lot of trips. <laughs> we have a lot of weeds down here in Florida, trust me. But... Um, somebody put me on to the tip of using um, vinegar. You can use either apple cider vinegar or you can use distilled white vinegar. Uh, distilled white vinegar, at least here where I am in Florida, is cheaper than apple cider. We can go down to the local big box store and, and buy a two-gallon uh, pack of, of distilled white vinegar for next to nothing put that in a little pump-up sprayer, and I, the first time I tried that as a weed killer, I was amazed. I just squirt some down 
in the center of the, of the weed. And you know, literally within an hour, you could see that weed was starting to wilt and to die. And you come back in about two, three hours, and the, it's kind of like magic. I mean, the whole plant is gone. It's just, it's just dried up and, and died. Um, the vinegar will kill what you spray it on in the way of plant life. Plus, you know, it's it's a natural product. It's, it's not a harsh chemical. It's, it won't hurt the birds if they get it on their feathers or get it on their feet or even if they ingest some of the weeds. Um, so if, if you're in that same situation, remember the hot water or vinegar trick because that will save you a lot of money, a lot of effort, uh, and a lot of hassle with your poultry in the, past, in the future. Um, Andy, I know I've kind of gone over here a little bit, um, so I apologize for that. Hmm. I was trying to get it all no, in. No problem. <laughs> no problem at all. Great information, uh, Rip. It's uh, always a pleasure, and, and especially for those who are really interested in, in showing poultry, uh, already showing poultry, uh, whether they're new, uh, beginner, or experienced, I'm sure. There are a lot of people out there that can learn a lot of information from you, my friend, as, as much experience as you have uh, doing that. And we just really appreciate you coming on once a month and sharing your knowledge with everybody. Well, Andy, like I told you when you and I were first talking about me doing this program, it sounds like I learned, I know a lot, but I've actually just made a lot of mistakes. And over the years, and I don't want folks to have to repeat the same as go through what I went through. So if there's anything uh, I can say to help folks, I love to do it. Yep, that sounds great, and I'm sure our paths will uh, cross sooner or later uh, at um, at one of the shows, and uh, we can uh, go out to dinner, have some lunch, and talk about it, and and um, and just really uh, get along even more than we do uh, on the business end of it. So thank you very much for uh, coming on. We look forward to having you again uh, next month. I will be on tour next month, so we'll have to play it by ear based on when we can squeeze you in on the show. It may work absolutely fine for the first Tuesday uh, coming up in May. We'll just have to see where I'm at if I'm on the road at that particular time or what's going on. But we really enjoy having you on the show. We appreciate you, and we look forward to coming back on next month. Well, thank you so much, and you have a great tour. You too. Hey, thank, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other soon when we head back down towards the Florida way. So, folks, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, the first Tuesday of every month, we're very honored to have Rip Stalvey, longtime APA judge, current APA judge, and a great breeder, and uh, just all-around great guy. We're so, so glad to have him. Don't forget, tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here, uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. McRae will be here. And don't have a topic yet. I'll share it on Facebook as soon as I have, it. Uh, I have that. And uh, go check factorchickenpoop.com. And it may be a big announcement regarding that um, um, that whole aspect here uh, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, got to love it. So thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you tomorrow right here at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. <laughs> Thank you.